Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, yeah. It's going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Your week five edition, two and two Saints, getting ready to take on the one and three New England Patriots. Uh, It was a rough go last Sunday at home, as we all know. The team just unable to get into the end zone has been the biggest problem. Uh, trying to get points, scoring points, the name of the game in football. This team has had troubles doing. A uh, little bit banged up, came out of the game, I guess, as good as you hope they could end up, Jeff, after you know getting throttled on the field by Tampa Bay. Uh, wasn't as bad in the injury front. So, yeah, we're going to go through some of the injuries, uh, updates on Paul Sadibo, Cesar Ruiz. We're going to get the inju- for initial injury report on Wednesday, but so we're going to kind of preview that. We're not going to have an episode on Wednesday, so we're going to go into that today and get to anything from the injury report in our Friday episode. We're also going to go through film notes in the second segment. And then in the final segment, I want to kind of reset where the Saints are in terms of their upcoming schedule, because a lot, you know, a lot of there's surprises, right? Like I didn't expect Houston to be competitive, and I expected the Patriots to be more competitive, although they have been competitive. It's tough, so we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, let's go back. You know, the well, I I kind of ranted a lot about the offensive line and my frustrations about why James Hurst constantly has to hop across the line when you know, uh, yeah, we've seen the Saints in the past. You know, and that's one of the reasons you have Isaac Adam on the outside, right? Because you only want to have to change one position when somebody leaves. But two weeks in a row now, you've had to bring in a backup offensive lineman and James Hurst has had to move. So you not only have a backup in, you have someone changing midstream. That's not good. But so Andres Pete is out or Andres Pete went out with a concussion. Cesar Ruiz, it sounds like, is going to get back this week to practice. That's what Dennis Allen told us yesterday on the WBL Saints coaches show. Paulson Adebo is also expected to be back to practice on Wednesday. So those are two positive developments. The other guys we're going to be watching for, Joe Juan Johnson. He went out right in the pregame, right before the game started, um, which is obviously... While he was juggling? I, I don't know. I don't think the <laughs> juggling is what got him. But yeah, he, he was there warming up. And then all of a sudden I saw him stretching out his calf during the national anthem and during introductions. And that's not a great sign. And uh, yeah, so that's going to be one to watch. He dealt with a calf injury early in camp. So that's nothing necessarily new, but for a guy who has struggled to produce to this point, 
now missing a game with an injury is just very frustrating for a guy that I had high expectations for. Beyond that, you're talking about Lonnie Johnson, Jordan Howden, both of whom are dealing with injuries. Lonnie Johnson left with a hamstring injury and did not return. Jordan Howden has a finger injury that he was wearing a brace over it. So, you know, to me, that kind of reads that he had a procedure and it was not going to be good for him to play with it last week. So hopefully that's a one week thing. Hopefully he can just brace like, like, you know, cover it and play because you're still without Marcus May for one more week. Right. He'll be back in week six. Um, but I think that's it. I think that's all on the injury front. Um, and so, you know, that's the frustrating thing is you can't really point to injuries as the culprit for why you've been bad other than maybe Derek Carr's shoulder. Um, and I will say Dennis Allen did say his regimen will pretty much stay the same this week. Uh, Carr's yeah. regimen. So it'll be interesting to see. I guess I'm expecting him to be limited tomorrow at practice. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually would expect him not to participate. At all. Yeah, I, I expect him to be a DMP. Because Wednesday is your lighter practice, right? It's usually kind of your install day for the upcoming week. And then, so Thursday and Friday are when I think you'd want to see him throwing. Uh, because it just, and it just makes sense. Like, it's like, you know, why would you if, you, if you are a little bit worried about the recovery timeline, why would you not just give him that extra day? So, you know, maybe Derek Carr will be out there, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him taking the day and like he'll be out there, but maybe not like maybe limited and not throwing a full allotment. He'll be drinking smoothies with Ramcheck. I think Jimmy Graham and Ramcheck will be out there. I think this program they're on is a, is a <laughs> rest day every other week. I think that's how it's developed all through the training camp. So I think okay. this is, they won't get that day off. So uh, he'll be drinking smoothies alone, but uh, yeah, DA said that he was sore on Monday, but it was, he wasn't as sore as he was the Monday before. So that's a good sign. I don't think he's going to miss a game. You know, it's funny because it's like, well, if if you didn't miss last week, he's definitely not going to miss this week. Uh, So yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's honestly frustrating because I wish you could be like, well, this team is just being hamstrung by injuries. Like I watched the giants play last night and was like, well, they don't have their left tackle. Saquon's not out there. The offensive line is in shambles and Derek Daniel Jones is getting sacked nine times. So would they be better with Andrew Thomas? Yes. Uh, the Giants, the Saints really don't have that excuse. Um, they, they're missing a couple players, but you have to bake in a cut some absences. Like you, no NFL team is completely healthy every week. So yeah, I, I think th- the Saints team just needs to play better. And that's that's the only thing about it. Yeah, what was disappointing too for me in the game with Tampa Bay was like, yay, the the big star, the shiny. Uh, offensive weapon, the leader of that offense, you could consider an Alvin Kamara. And while they got him enough touches, I didn't have a problem with that. It just wasn't able to really get any yards after catch. No, you know, and you know, one thing that was, you know, DA did bring up on the coaches show yesterday that, you know, it's not, an, it's not like people, I tweeted this and people were like, wow, he's just trying to sugarcoat what happened. And it's like, no, it's just, just detail, right? <laughs> it's context for a weird stat line. So he had 13 catches in that game. Now, not all catches are created equally, right? One thing the Saints have started doing is these little pop passes, which you've seen in college for years, and they've started to filter up to the NFL the last few years. And so two of those receptions were actually pop passes where Kamara came in motion and you just kind of like pop the ball up and and he takes it. That's a forward pass. So if it hits the ground, it's an incompletion, right? 
but he, you know, that's technically a reception. And those two plays netted negative 13 yards. That hurts. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's like either way, it's a bad play. You know, it, it doesn't, it's not absolving anything in terms of the play calling. It was a bad idea. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But from a statistical perspective, it makes it seem like how, how, or like, how do you catch 13 passes yeah. and only go 33 yards forward? That does not make sense. In reality, it was more like 11 receptions for 46 yards and 13 carries <laughs> for 38 yards, right? So it, from a statistical perspective, it's just kind of funny because it's like, yeah, the, the, the reception total feels really weird, but that's contributing to it. Uh, it doesn't make the plays any better. It's just I thought it was interesting because I didn't even think about that in real time. And then it's like, well, yeah, that's that's how you get a couple extra t- – because I don't remember him catching 13 passes. I was like, when did that happen? Well, two of them were there. Yeah, the overall outcome, whether it was pass, handoff, yeah. uh, n- none of it was working, unfortunately. And, man, oh, man, uh, I don't know. I, I just i am curious with – and I think everybody is frustrated with the offense, play calling, personnel use. Um, you know, you, you see Kendra Miller even, just one carry, just that's it, just – just one carry for the guy? I was frustrated with Jimmy Graham's usage. <laughs> That's another I, one. Like, I know, like, Juwan Johnson going out was a challenge because yeah. it's not like you could plan for it. That's the thing. When you have a guy go out right before the game, it's like you have a game plan in place, and he's a big part of it. And suddenly, a lot of that goes out the window, and it's like, what What does Jimmy know? What, what, what is Jimmy ready to do, right? Like, what has he been repping all week? And so it limits where you can put him and it limits what you can do. Um, And, but at the same time, like there was a third down play where they called a shot play and it wasn't there. Rashid Shahid wasn't open. um, And Jimmy was not wide open, but he had leverage on the guy in trail. And it's like, when Jimmy is not being fronted by somebody, you should be able to just loft it out in front of him and let him go get it. And it's like a third and four near midfield. And it's like, you don't have to throw that deep ball. Like Rashid's not open. Just give the six, seven guy a chance to make it a first down. Like, anyway, that, that's what that frustrates me. But, you know, we, Dennis Allen was asked this week, and, and this is going to be the rest of the time we talk about this in this segment. Dennis Allen was asked this week if he considered, if he, if he would consider making coaching changes, making play college changes. And this is what he said. No, um, we won't make any um, coaching changes. Um, I don't think that's – I've never seen that to be the uh, the right answer, uh, particularly when you're four games into the season. Um, and yet, we have to be better. Um, and I understand everybody's frustration, and, and believe me, everybody in this, in this building is frustrated with it because we, we have to find ways to put more points on the board. He was also asked, you know, is this a point where, you know, drastic decisions would be a little much? And he said, again, four games into the season, I don't think anything is drastic. I think that'd be ridiculous. And we have and and yet we have to be better. And that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I don't think if you were paying D.A. wasn't going to change the play caller after week four. You're not doing anything like that. But it is something you have to look at. And I think they, they, they are aware of that. He also said Pete Carmichael is well aware of the target that's been put on his back in that regard. And is it, is it all fair? No. There was a lot of problems in this game that go well beyond Pete Carmichael. 
Uh, but you know, it's, it's not unfair. It's not completely unmerited either. Like there's things that need to be fixed with this offense. Well, I think this, (laughs) I just, when every time Pete Carmichael gets brought up, I think of that, but to me, Jeff, unfortunately, through four games now, thank goodness we're two and two. But man, th- this offense is looking very similar to what we were seeing last year with Andy Dalton running the show. I have not really seen an upgrade in anything yet. Yeah, I mean, 15 of Derek Carr's 23 completions, you know, and two of which were the pop passes to Alvin Kamara, were at or behind the line of scrimmage. He had 17 attempts at or behind the line of scrimmage in this game. In weeks one through three, which is only 10 quarters because he didn't play the second half against the Packers, he had 16 total. So he threw more pass attempts at or behind the line of scrimmage in this game than he did in the first three games of the season. And so, you know, it is funny because you look at it and you're like, you know, I I did want him to throw more passes at the line of scrimmage. I did want him to check down a little bit more. Like I did want him to get the ball in Alvin Kamara's hands, but it's like it's like you know, too much <laughs> you know right it's like i can't can't we can't we is there a medium here that we can reach uh and it's yeah but you know i i one of the things when you look at the saints offense and the saints staff it's like i think dennis allen and pete carmichael are kind of a package deal in this regard like i don't think you are you know i think there's a scenario where at the end of this season you're moving on from a head coach and an offensive coordinator, but I don't think, I don't think the solution exists where you just get rid of one of those guys and, and reset the deck with everything else in place. Right. And I think that's kind of like, if you, you, this is, this is the group that you are either going to succeed or fail with. If you look around and you look at teams that have fired offensive coordinators in mid season, things typically don't get better. So I think like the way Dennis Allen is looking at it, and I kind of agree is, you know, no, this is, it's, it's a pass fail class guys. Like you're, <laughs> you know, if you're changing coaches in midstream with that idea, unless they've lost the locker room or there's infighting for whatever reason, like you're, you're punting on the season. Like that's kind of what you're doing. Like you're, you're, you're not expecting it to get better immediately. And so that's, I agree with that. Like the, the guys in the room have to get better and I don't, can they, that's a good question. I don't know. But I just I don't think this team is going to be the team that fires a coordinator midseason. I just don't. Yeah, and to to me, you know, some folks calling for oh they should promote Joe Woods to be the play caller. Well, isn't really um, I'm sorry, Ronald Curry, Ronald Curry to to be the play caller. Isn't he technically a disciple? You would say of uh, P. Carmichael then. Yeah, right. Like, what do you think would be different? I <laughs> exactly. guess is the question. It's like they they he's the passing game coordinator now. Right. Right. So unless you like, I guess if you think that the only problem with this offense is that when Pete Carmichael is out there deciding what to run next, he's getting it wrong all the time. And Ronald Curry would be getting it right. You know, like Ronald Curry is a big piece of this passing game already. Like the development of this passing game is on his shoulders. Yeah. And, you know, one, one development of the last few days and the last Dennis, few Dennis Allen press conferences is his use of the word, is his use of like kind of halfway cursing. <laughs> you know, I think that was funny. Like he opened his press conference after the game with, uh, uh, he got our ass beat. And then later on, he said, uh, uh, he said something like, if we didn't look at everything, if we, if we pretended it was all in execution, that would be a quote unquote freaking cop out. 
And then yesterday and Monday in his press conference, he had the quote, uh, we're not going to sit here and act like the sky is falling and the season is over. Do we have to get better? Freaking A, right we do. <laughs> we need to do it quickly. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Hey, it's, man, when someone drops a freaking A, right, you get attention. But it is funny because I know he was willing to curse in reality. Like Dan, right, Danny right. Willie Green, the Pelicans coach, doesn't curse, and it's the it's so strange. Like you see, you'll see him go berating or an official, and and he'll be like, "You freaking got it wrong!" And it's just like he just doesn't curse. It's like he it's a moral thing for him. He will not do it. Uh, Da, like he will. I know he will. Um, but in those the press conference, it was like, "I'm going to freaking freaking a." Uh, you know, I just thought it was funny, uh, but you know, it, like this, it, it's the way you lost the last two games makes this makes the scenario the Saints are in right now feel feel like zero and four. It's not zero and four. They have to get better, right? Like that's that's the thing on both sides of the ball. They have to be better. I actually thought like they put themselves in decent positions on defense a lot, and. They just didn't finish. Like Cam Jordan, he has Baker Mayfield on third down, dead to rights, and he just can't get his hand on him. I'm like Baker Mayfield's not Lamar Jackson, you know. Like you should, you should be. You're athletic, and like Cam Jordan is more athletic than Baker Mayfield. We couldn't get to him, you know. And like the, the, those are the things that that it's like you can't can't call a better defensive play to to get a free rusher right in Baker's grill, you know, like. You got to play better. And so, you know, you can change all the coaches you want. You know, if if you're not tackling the quarterback when you have a chance, like, uh, you know, I thought Pete Werner, you know, low key had a really bad game. I I think no one's talking about it because I think after the beginning of last season, everyone was like, Pete Werner is fantastic. And he was, he doesn't look confident right now. He's out of position a lot. He's missing tackles. Uh, That third down to Rashad White, Isaac Yadam did the right thing. Isaac Yadam closed off the sideline knowing that he had Pete Warner with inside leverage. Well, Pete gets too far inside and gets beat. And that's a first down. They scored a touchdown on that drive. That was an 87-yard touchdown drive that they converted third and eight by checking down in front of two defenders. You know, and there's no... I, I said this after the game, and I still believe it. There's no good call for bad football. You got to play better. Um, and so, yeah, I, like... I think that's that's where the Saints are at right now. And I, I know a lot of people are frustrated and people are going to disagree with it. They're going to be like, get Pete out of here. We've seen it. We've seen it all last year. He's had 16 years to get this right. What is he going to change now? Um, I don't know. It's it's frustrating, uh, but I think I, you, you, you got you to get it done with these guys. A, a positive of all this nonsense is the fact that with the offensive line, at least, there was improved play in this game against Tampa Bay than what we saw previously. I'll say that. Yeah. Well, so one of the reasons I was griping about the whole Max Garcia in it, right guard and switching uh, James Hurst back to left guard is that Max Garcia got in and struggled. And I did think the protection was a lot better. I actually think there's a, there's a question. One of the questions that needs to be asked is, you know, I don't know if Andres Pete's going to be ready to play this week. He's dealing with a concussion, but when Caesar is back and Andres Pete is back, do you sit James Hurst? Because James has been struggling hard. Um, We've seen Trevor Penning get better. And I'm going to go through a little bit more on Trevor in the, in the, the kind of film notes segment. 
James, I, he's on the struggle bus, and I like James a lot. He's so he, he's I talk to him every week. He's incredibly helpful. He's a smart guy. He knows what you know. He's basically a coach on the offensive line. He's not getting it done, uh, and so like. You know, that's that's the frustrating thing. It's like week one, it was like, man, if Trevor can just get better, maybe this team could have great protection. And and then it's like, no, the pressure's coming on the inside. And that's that's a death knell for a quarterback who can't, you know, I mean, Derek Carr can move, but he's not a mobile quarterback. He's not even as mobile as Baker. You know, he's he needs to, he wants to stay in the pocket. And if he's getting right up his grill, he's not going to be able to run offense. That's how the Saints beat the beat the Bucks with Tom Brady, right? Like, yeah, I thought like you you, you know you talk about with, with the offensive line, James Hurst hasn't been living up to expectations, uh, but with someone like Ryan Ramchek, I don't know how he graded out in this game. Uh, we'll, we'll get more to it, I'm sure, with your film review. But man, that Packers game was definitely not a good showing for for Ramchek, and you definitely don't like to see that at all. Yeah, Rashawn Gary ate his lunch a little bit. And yeah, oh so- man. You know, one of the things that had been happening early in the season is Trevor had been struggling so mightily, especially in week two, that I think in week three, you saw the Saints have to send help. They needed he needed a tight end. He needed a running back over to his side, which means that, you know, you you left Ryan Ramchek out to dry and on his own. And and, you know, Ryan Ramchek is a very good right tackle. He's not having his best season and he's getting beat. Um, and so hopefully you get to a point where you trust Trevor a little bit more to hold up on the left side. So you can be a, be a little bit more thoughtful about not putting Ryan in bad position. But yeah, it, I thought like, you know, that's the thing. Like I talk about the injuries. That's not an excuse uh, because they haven't really been that bad. And the protection in this game was not that bad. And so I think that's the most frustrating thing is like the first three games, you're like, oh man, if they could only pass protect, this offense would be get, would get going. And then they did pass protect and they did not get going. And maybe Derek Carr's shoulder had something to do with that. Dennis Allen said there was two throws in the game that he thinks were directly related to the shoulder. Um, one of them was that short arm ball to Chris Olave. Uh, you know, Derek Carr after the game said something that uh, I think confused people. He was being asked by Mike Triplett about the those two throws or the two throws of one to Chris Olave that was short, and then the next play he threw it fifty five yards. And so Tripp was asking him, you know, did you think the shoulder affected you on that first throw? And he, I think he said no. And then he was like, yeah, but you threw it fifty five yards on the next play. And Derek was like, I think I was just angry. Uh, and he was saying that, and I think a lot of people took that as I threw the ball to that read because I was angry and I just gave away a, a down. And what he's saying is he was angry. So that was like, like his, like his arm strength, you know, when you're, when you're mad and you punch a yeah. wall, you know, uh, like he, he had that extra bit of oomph on it because, you know, it was just, mm, you know, Ticked anyway. off, right. Right. That's what he was saying. I think some people took that as, he made a bad decision because he was angry and that's what he was admitting to, but that's not the context of the question. But either way, you know, there was two throws in that game that DA said what that was that one to Chris Olave, And there was another one to Mike Thomas over the middle of the field. I'm not entirely sure which throw he didn't specify. Uh, but you know, I think the, the overall game plan to some extent was a product of wanting to protect that shoulder. You don't throw 17 times at the line of scrimmage 15. If you don't, include the two pop passes because you're 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 not worried about that shoulder so 
Yeah, and then fortune, unfortunately for Jameis, he comes in one pass, one pick, and and that's not fair for him. Yeah, <laughs> I still don't think he had to make that throw. People, people, no. you know, I, I I said after the game, I was bummed out because I was hoping he would come in and like give them something to talk about in terms of like you yeah. should have started Jameis, and he and the first thing he does is throw a pick, but it's like he, you know, that he doesn't have to throw to his first read. You know, that's the thing. It's like Chris wasn't really open. I mean, there was two defenders there. Maybe he runs by him. But, you know, like he, he all you have to do is not throw to Chris and go through your progressions, which if he looked over and saw Alvin why, by, by himself, that would have been a nice little check down. Right. Nope. Uh, maybe then Alvin would have had 14 catches for 50 yards. <laughs> anyway, it's. One of the puzzling, I, I, of the puzzling yeah. things in this game, too, Jeff, was the fact that it seemed with an ailing quarterback in Derek Carr and all right, you're going to go with him. This this would be a, a heavy Taysom game, and that really wasn't the case. I disagree. You think there was? I I, I, I would I wanted to see more of Taysom at quarterback. No, I'm, Taysom was in constantly. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you if you're looking at the the number of runs, maybe not. Uh, let's see. But I mean. Yeah, he had four rushes for 10 yards. He threw a pass for 13 yards. He caught a pass for seven yards. So, you know, that's... But then he also had several plays where he just handed the ball off because it's a read. Um, Now, he was in a lot. Uh, Like, there was one play that, you know, they ran a double reverse kind of play where he took the snap, handed it to Derek Carr, flipped it back to Alvin Kamara. It was a bad decision. But, like, he got, you know, he was in there. Like, there was... At one point in the second half, I thought they were using him too much. I thought they were being too formulaic about really? it. Yeah. Well, so they, that was the, I think it was the first drive that ended in a field goal in the second half because, you know, they were moving the ball. And then for like the third consecutive possession or the third consecutive set of downs, they just put Taysom in on first down and he ended up losing like four yards. And it was like, yeah, after a while, they're going to, they're going to start keying on it. And that's when you stop doing it. It's not when you start doing it. So I actually think I disagree, you know, and he wasn't effective either. Last year against the Bucs, he wasn't effective. They stop it well. They have good linebackers. They're fast. Definitely get four do, carries yeah. for 10 yards, right? Like it's not like it's not like the Taysom Hill runs. The Taysom Hill package was like hyper effective. So, yeah, I, I disagree. I think they use Taysom plenty in this game. Yeah, I just I guess I wanted to see more passing attempts from him. And that just wasn't the case. Yeah, I, I actually I agree with that. I wouldn't have minded seeing him throw the ball a couple times more, um, which is weird to say. But <laughs> you know, know. He, right? He threw, he threw the ball once, and it was a nice little play. So let me see. Let me just look here and see how many snaps Taysom was actually in on. Yeah, yeah. He had he was on the field for thirty three snaps, ten special team snaps. That's a lot. I mean. Jimmy Graham was on the field for 43 snaps, so they had the exact same number of snaps. It's 51%. That's a good number for him. Like, Chris Olave was in for 53 snaps. They only ran 65 offensive plays. It's not like they had a huge number of offensive plays. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't have a problem with that. But, I mean, I would have liked to see him be effective. So, you know, like yeah, that. I would have clarified things more and definitely say case in the passer more than anything, I guess. I don't yeah, like I, That's weird to say. No, I mean, because they're gear- like, I think there's a point where the teams are gearing up to stop them and they're good at it. And so you you want to try to burn them, right? Like even the, the times they've had him in to throw, they were like just his little dink passes. Like, it's like, why is he not like if you have Taysom in to throw, I want it to be 
like a potential big play. Otherwise, it's not worth it. Like I don't I don't need Taysom in there to throw a 13 yard out. Yeah, there, there, there's just a lot of I guess play calling issues, but it goes into everything when you're not when you're not winning, you're not scoring, you're not moving the chains. There's going to be a ton question constantly. Yeah, yeah, and in, in the red zone, you know, I, I think Pete Carmichael, you know, they they did they had some interesting alignments. They ran some interesting plays in in this game. They used some orbit motion with Rashid Tahid that worked early on. They got the ball out wide to Alvin Kamara. That worked, and that was something that I had a gripe about last year where you weren't doing that enough. They did run some screens. I don't think they ran any screens to Alvin specifically, but they did run some screens. Um, you know, it just a lot of it didn't work, and, you know, there's you, you can point to the play calling, which there was play calling issues, but again, it's like you know, if Adam Prentice catches that pass on third and nine and you're at midfield, which you should have been, and then all of a sudden you're up 3-0, you're in control. You know, if Adam Prentice doesn't fumble at the goal line, you know, you're you go into halftime down 7-3 or down 7-6 or, or, or up 10-7 if you're finishing that, off, that drive off that, that ended with that drop. So you know, I, I said this after the game, it's like, man, fullbacks do not get a lot of opportunities to impact games, and yet he still managed to have a massive impact on that game in a very negative way. Um, I thought it was odd that Dennis Allen mentioned the fact with the play with uh, Prentice that he fumbled, they were they were, they would have considered doing a quarterback sneak with Carr, and I'm like, I'm not buying that. No, I think they would have. Um, Why wouldn't you have Taysom do that then? I mean – because Taysom doesn't really go under center very often. I, I mean, we've seen them run it with Taysom, and it hasn't worked. Like that's not that's not. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I'm okay with a quarterback sneak there. Um, the funny thing is they did run a sneak later in the game with right. their car. So clearly, it wasn't completely out of the equation. But at the same time, if your alternative was a fullback die, they weren't doing that again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if you're not giving the ball back to Adam in that situation. So, like, I don't have a problem with the play call. Like, if that's the 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 issue is he it's his first carry of the season, and he's Adam Prentice. But I don't know. It's it's tough. Either way, like the the moral of the story is, you know, Pete Carmichael's not going anywhere. uh, At least not anytime soon. He's going to get a chance to turn this around. Uh, As frustrating as that might be to hear, it's the reality. He's going to get a chance to turn this thing around. If he can do it, great. If he can't. Then, you know, gear up for a new coaching staff next season, I think. But, yeah, that's – I mean, I don't know how else to say it. No, I, like I, to, to me right now, I'm really I'm really shaky on, on how I feel about the rest of the season just because the offense right now is, like I said, it's looking very identical to what we saw last year. And that was with Mr. Above Average Part 2, I guess you would say, Andy Dalton run of the show – and things haven't gotten that spark with Derek Carr now under center. So to me, it just comes down to I, I've got to put it on on Carmichael on this. It's it's for whatever yeah. reason, you know, the things aren't gelling. They're not getting efficiently accomplished because of the play caller at this point. I, I don't know what the solution is. No, and I mean he gets blame, but you know, a lot there are a lot of teams in the NFL that are just not playing good football right now. So it's not like the Saints are alone in that. Sure. Uh, Vikings are one and three. Panthers are zero and four. Bears are zero and four. Browns are two and two. Falcons scored seven points against the Jags, <laughs> and people are saying they should bench Desmond Ritter. Right? Uh, I mean, the Patriots are one and three. That's who the Saints play next week. The Jets are one and three. The Raiders are one and three. Like, there's a lot of bad teams in the NFL right now, and so it's a race to get better. 
and you know, I think this they're gonna this this Saints team is gonna bet that they can do that. You know, it might be a bad bet, but you know, the, that's how it works. Anyway, yeah, go, going into things, obviously we ha- we had very high expectations. I think because of the changes this team made and the schedule, and right now it's like I said, it's kind of looking more of the same from a year ago, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. But let's wrap up this segment. We'll come back. We'll get into some film notes. Uh, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow us on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak and at Steve Geller WWL. If you haven't subscribed wherever you get your podcast, please do that. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. If you haven't, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, that'd be great. I appreciate it. We've got some nice reviews over the last couple of weeks, even as everything has fallen apart uh, in, that, in, in the whole positivity land. But hey, you know, we, we do what we can. But all right. Keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold. We will be all right back. 